0: Ace? I'll tell you. I can't exactly explain it, Ace, but... Well, you see, I guess you might say it's it's a power I got. I can move things around just by thinking. Why? Oh, I know it sounds stupid, but I can. I don't know how come or why or anything, but I can. Like since when? Oh, like since always. I never thought there was anything special about it or anything. I thought... I thought everybody could do it, you know, like breathing. <laughs> uh, Come on,
1: we're going to go for joy rock. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto Strange
0: Highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare.
1: And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys uh, are tuning back to us as opposed to getting lost in the past with like the last episode of Static where you listened to, I don't know, us like two years ago. I don't know how far back you went listening
0: to your radio. Yeah. I was going to say, I hope you're not too sick of radio programs because we got a brand new one for you this week.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, and uh, that's it. That's it about Static. We're not going to talk about that anymore. So this episode, The Prime Mover season two, episode 21, uh, air date, March 24th, 1961, the number one film, the hoodlum priest that, that sounds like a wrestler that I would follow. Like watch out. Yeah. It's the hoodlum priest. And then he would just bring out a cross and beat people with it. I think that'd be great.
0: Yeah. That's an awesome film title.
1: (laughs) It is right. Uh, it's like, you know what? He's right with God, but not right with the law. It's the hoodlum priest. Um, number one song surrender by Elvis Presley. Um, so I didn't find anything for the 24th, but the 25th, this is a follow-up from the previous episode, so you'll enjoy this. Uh, <laughs> the day after the U.S. launch of a test dummy into space, the Soviets made one final launch of their own Ivan Ivanovich dummy into space, along with the last dog in space. Uh, I'm going to mess this up. Zvezdochka. That's not right at all. Both went <laughs> up on Sputnik I'll take 10. your word for it. Uh, which made one orbit and safely returned to Earth. So basically, they're just like testing everything, uh, getting Yuri Gagarin ready to go. But I like that Ivan Ivanovich made one more trip up in space.
0: Very nice. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring up. I don't know if this is necessarily interesting, but I started reading a book called "The True Adventures of the World's Greatest Stuntman" about Vic Armstrong, and uh, he he worked with Spielberg a lot. He was. I think on the first three Indiana Jones movies, he was a stuntman. He was in some James Bond movies as a stuntman. Real famous stunt guy. Um, but he was really into horse racing. And uh, he before he got into doing stunts and doing action, uh, choreographing and everything, he wanted to be a jockey. And he grew up in England and I was really (laughs) hoping there was going to be a mention of Hyperion. I was, Oh oh my God. I was like sitting on the edge of my seat, reading the whole chapter on his, uh, his horse racing and everything like, come on, Hyperion, come on. Cause it would have been that same time period. Yeah. Uh, when he was doing it. So I'm, I, I I got so excited when I thought of it, but alas, there was no mention of Hyperion. (laughs) He did stunt
1: work. How tall was he? If he was interested in being a jockey. Uh,
0: well that was the thing, like he was a pretty tall guy and it, apparently it has to do more about weight than it does height. Okay. But to get himself down to the weight that it required, um, he was only able to do it a few years when he was younger, just cause he was at like unhealthy, skinny <laughs> weight just to try and be able to do it. Um, but yeah, uh, fantastic book so far. I recommend it. But I just, I wanted to squeeze in a reference to Hyperion because it's been a few weeks.
1: <laughs> no, fair enough. But like, was yeah. he the double for Harrison Ford um, and Indiana Jones? Or, yes. Okay. Yeah. He was so, the
0: one that dove off the, uh, his most famous stunt in those when he dove off the horse onto the tank.
1: So he had jockey like, experience. So that that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Tank yeah. A lot a of his
0: stunt work had to do with horse horses and everything. Okay. Because I didn't know um, if he
1: was the one that was like the majority in Temple of Doom because Harrison. Yeah, th- I pack.
0: believe that was also him as okay. well. So
1: yeah. I, I know this isn't that episode, but I was just I'm, I'm really interested in that. That, that. that was great. So,
0: yeah, Good I was looking it. for books on uh, written by stuntmen. Uh, just a curiosity recently. And uh, this one was like the highest rated one. So I figured, well, I'll give it a shot. Was there like but no Hyperion? So <laughs> was book there like a table, star. Like a coffee table
1: book <laughs> called like the visual history of the fall guy was like there was like something like that. that'd be amazing. Like the like, be incredible.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, anyway. I'm giving it one star though because there's no reference to Hyperion. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean there's some there. There's a stunt in this episode, but we'll we'll get to actually there's a couple, but not, nothing uh nothing crazy like that. So, um yeah. So let's just get into cast and crew.
0: Sure. Uh, this episode was directed by Richard L. Bear, who uh, we've talked about previously on Third from the Sun, The Purple Testament, and The Nick of Time. So he's returning to us once again, and this won't be the last time we see him. The episode was sort of written by Charles Beaumont. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was based on a unpublished short story by, uh, another reoccurring figure in twilight zone history, uh, George Clayton Johnson, who we've covered multiple times so far. Um, uh, I I guess Charles Beaumont was having trouble keeping up with writing for the show. And cause he was writing for other things at the same time. And, uh, he he started reaching out to other people to help him write these teleplays. Well, that and, and
1: he he honestly felt that the, like he was telling his buddy George like, hey, you need to submit to the Twilight Zone, and, and he wasn't feeling confident about it. So he uh-huh. basically like let me be your intermediate. So he pitched this, and um and it, he was paid. He paid Charles Beaumont paid George Clayton Johnson six hundred dollars for the right to present it to like you know Buck Houghton and and Serling, and then Serling and Houghton paid Beaumont two thousand for the script. Uh, so it's like he made a profit off of it and not to get to the very end here, but Johnson was supposed to get a screen credit, but was left off an error. So, yeah.
0: And yeah. then I heard Buck Houghton said, oh, we'll put you on when it goes into syndication. And they just never did. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so yeah. George Clayton Johnson, I kind of feel bad for him because like, he's an incredible writer. Um, you know, he, I, I never realized he wrote the original screenplay for oceans 11
1: yeah, um, I and, think and we still credited about that. Yeah, for the right.
0: characters yeah. and everything, even within the new ones. Yeah, and he and also he wrote run it, and stuff. Yeah, so, very famous sci-fi writer. Uh, but it seems like he kind of got the Shaft a lot of times with uh Twilight Zone stuff
1: yeah, he's kind of um, like He's like the third like like see so you I mean Serling's the you know the, the, the top Right but you have George Clayton uh, not George Clayton Johnson that's what we're talking about but we have uh, Charles Beaumont and Richard Matheson and Then George Clayton Johnson's kind of like hey guys I'm here too that's yeah. how that kind of Feels like right so yeah
0: he's he's like The bad boy if they were a boy band of writers
1: <laughs> He's, <the laughs> he's the like shy the AJ boy. he's the shy boy <laughs> <laughs> is What he is we know
0: that um, yeah, Um but, but yeah I, I just like his beard so I guess that's why
1: so Beaumont did add some changes to the story we'll get to that when we get there but he did add a little bit but yeah this is basically uh George Clayton Johnson's like his idea so we'll, yeah. we'll get to what ha- what changed and we'll, we don't know if it added value that's my opinion
0: but we'll get there yeah I wish I could have found the story but uh once again much like last episode it was unpublished so not not too easy to get a hold of um so the cast here, we have Dane Clark, who plays Ace Larson. He This was his only Twilight Zone appearance, although he appeared in one episode of The Night Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably his biggest role was in Destination Tokyo. But I thought it was interesting about him. He was born as Bernard Elliott Zaneville. Or Zaneville. And uh, Humphrey Bogart actually gave him the idea for his stage name. I don't know how it came about. But in 1943, I think he was working with Bogart and... Uh, I, I, I don't know where the name came from, but he gave him the stage name.
1: Yeah. I mean, because like, he actually he looks kind of like Bogart, not not 100 percent, but like enough. So yeah, he's, a lot of he's got that there. look
0: like the film noir look like you could see him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah i just thought it was interesting like what do you just come up to him like yeah i don't like your name i'm gonna call you dane <laughs> I,
1: yeah i mean that sounds like a very bogart thing to be like you're ace that's it Then just like does the finger guns like you're ace now uh but uh, but he also well, ace
0: was the character name
1: oh well yeah that's right sorry yeah. but yeah dane clark, dane clark. Like, i'm gonna you're call dane. you dane yeah the <laughs> like, ace is way too cool for you you're called dane uh, yeah. um <laughs> So he actually labeled himself as Joe Average. Like if people asked him like what his biggest like quality was, he's like I'm just Joe Average. And I I could kind of see that. Like he he's very representative of like the late 50s, early 60s, kind of like every man. Especially in this episode, I feel like he's a little over the top, but he's very like the his look is very indistinguishable from like like everybody else in terms of like yeah. that time.
0: I was going to say if if I saw a movie with him in it, I probably wouldn't remember Yeah, Uh, from this episode. Um, But I mean, that's a good thing. If you're doing a lot of character work, like just to disappear into the background is helpful and uh, that'll get you work. So uh, next up, we have the famous buddy Ebsen playing Jimbo Cobb in this. This was his only Twilight Zone episode as well, but he was also in two episodes of the Night Gallery. So he's got one up on Dane Clark Um, and then his most famous role. Everybody knows him as Jed Clampett from Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. And Barnaby Jones from Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones. Yeah. So yeah, um, definitely a big name. Um, he's perfectly cast for this episode. I, I I enjoyed him quite a bit in this. Um, and then I did we talk about his uh, situation with the Wizard Voz last week? I,
1: I, I mentioned it real quick on the way out. So uh, he was cast as the Tin Man. Well, originally he was actually offered – the role of the Scarecrow, but the actor that played the Scarecrow wanted to be the Scarecrow. So he's like, I don't care. That's fine. So they switched roles. And so they cast him as the tin man. They recorded a lot of the singing in advance before they actually shot the film. So there's actually still bits of him singing. They have recordings of him singing. If I only had a heart and he still shows up some of the choruses. However, Because of the silver paint that they're putting on him, which back then, I don't know if you guys are aware, they didn't necessarily care if people would die if you put things on them. Uh, He had a really, really bad allergic reaction to the silver face paint. So he couldn't do the part. So they cast somebody else, which I should know their name, but I don't. And they actually changed the makeup at that point. So I don't even know. I, something tells me that the change in the makeup probably would have been fine. But because Buddy Epson was put in the hospital because of this, they they changed the the chemical makeup. So that that was like his big near miss with that. I didn't know this, but, he kind of came up as a dancer in vaudeville with his sister and they had like kind of an act going together. They were in a film together and then she retired from like doing uh, movies in vaudeville. Uh, so he had a really long career. Um, Walt Disney chose him to dance in front of a grid for the animators to use for Mickey mouse for a number of their animated shorts. So he actually danced for Mickey mouse.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I saw he had a few, uh, I, I think like wonderful world of Disney and stuff like that. He had a few credits. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So he, he was uh, hired yeah. by Walt Disney otherwise. And he has some
1: other crazy things here too. So he had, um, he had a contract dispute with MGM. So that left him like kind of like not doing work. So he took up sailing and eventually became <laughs> so proficient in seamanship that he taught uh, that subject to United States Navy officer candidates. So he actually was like, I'm bored. I guess I'll learn sailing now and became a resource for that. Like this man. guy, he was the renaissance man. And I, I. And the sad thing is he's not represented like as a terribly smart man in this episode, more of a common sense guy. Yeah. And, but you think of Jed Clampett as more of just like he's steering his family and trying to do okay. But it's like this guy lived like a hell of a life. And he just I just didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I didn't either. Um, he's, he's such a likable guy though. Oh, absolutely. Like he, d- even in like Beverly Hillbillies and stuff, like he's, he's just so nice. Like he just seems like the kind of guy you would want to sit down with, you know? Oh yeah. So he, um, he
1: showed up in the Beverly Hillbillies movie as Barnaby Jones. <laughs> <I know> that. <laughs> that's fantastic. Because, um, um, oh, um, <laughs> Ernest, uh, Jim Varney yeah. played, uh, Jack Clampett in the film but they got buddy upson to show up as barnaby jones like i don't think i've actually seen the beverly hillbillies movie but i've heard it's it's okay i just don't know yeah, if I, I don't it.
0: think i've seen it either yeah it's so, it's like frank Nero popping up in django like <laughs> it's like you get toss
1: you, know, you just gotta hand the baton over right to to uh jim varney but his the last, j
0: is silent it's yeah. actually pronounced ed <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it's yed yeah. Clampett. It. uh so his last credit uh was a, a voice on king of the hill so I know King of the Hill hasn't been around for a while, but it is, I just like whenever we can kind of reach back to something somewhat recent with someone who's been in the Twilight Zone. So this guy had, like, again, uh, Buddy Epson had a hell of a life, and I did not know that. So I owe, I owe this show for me learning about that. He, you know, like he did, he just wasn't a one trick, and I
0: appreciate yeah. that. Something we can all uh, aspire to. Yeah. Just
1: uh. And one day he was shooting at some food and up came a bubble and crude or whatever it was. So <laughs> he, was oil pro- he was an oil person and, you know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. going
0: on. I, I always can appreciate people like that, that just to, like, pick up a hobby and just, like, this is my new obsession. I'm right? going to master it. Yeah, um, it, It's like Vincent Price. He was the same way. That's somebody I always look up to with that. Because um, people,
1: people that are creative and, and talented are able to absorb knowledge and exhibit it, right? So it's like I'm sure – like that was one of those things where like, I'm bored sailing. Sure. You know? And it's like, <laughs> like, that's cool. Like I, I, just like he, like buddy Epson was great. And, and we, we didn't know that he had a latent mental telekinesis either. So that's also important that we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, I was trying <laughs> to find the quote I love from uh, Vincent price, but I can't remember it. Um, Yeah, so next up we have Christine White, who plays Kitty Kavanaugh in this episode. She was in one other episode of The Twilight, which was Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, a very famous one. Um, One episode of Hawaiian Eye, got to throw that in there. And uh, William Castle's Macabre, which is a pretty, I I don't want to say great horror film, but it's it's fun. Um, And then, interesting fact, I guess she dated James Dean for a while. When he was living in New York. <laughs> I was going
1: to say, probably wasn't for long. I just, that's my. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it was for a few years, though, to be so honest. was like, like you, know, uh, you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't drive cars really fast. He's like, shut up, woman. I know what I'm doing. And that was probably what happened. I'm guessing that was our last conversation. That is not historically accurate whatsoever. So, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: all right. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Please continue. Uh, P- pick up I, the episode. Make me sound better. C- continue.
0: I I found the Vincent Price quote. That's why a man who limits his interests limits his life. Um,
1: Well, I also heard that Vincent Price was a master of egg magic. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Well, I mean, he was,
0: uh, he was a great chef. So if egg magic has anything to do with cooking breakfast, um,
1: yeah no you, i believe it i don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about i'll just mention this real quick it was a simpsons joke where uh marge oh, no, and no, lisa no. they decide they're going to decorate uh eggs like easter eggs type of thing and it was vincent price's egg magic and then they went to go decorate the eggs and they're supposed to have like little feet stands to sit on and there was no feet so they called the helpline and it was it, it was a recording of vincent price they're like and it was like he was like talking to them and they're like he's been dead for like 10 years what is going on and it was more like thank you for calling vincent price's egg magic it was really confusing <laughs> and it was great so i love that there was a little box that they showed on the episode of vincent price's egg magic like i i want to believe that was love a real it. product <laughs>
0: um so next up we have nesden booth who plays <laughs> big phil nolan uh who the only thing i really have for him he was also the prison guard i believe in escape clause a yeah. uh, previous episode um then two more quick one uh, a lot of quick characters in here we have jane burgess who plays sheila the cigarette girl in this episode this was her only twilight zone episode um she has a fairly big role in this so i figure i mention her um do you have anything for her
1: i i just i just noted that Sheila had 17 acting credits from 55 to 62 so very I mean, yeah it's seven years but it's very very short compared to a lot of the character actors that we see on here
0: yeah, and she uh, she uh, lived a pretty long life, so she must have just gotten out of it. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I have Clancy Cooper, who plays uh, whose label is just Trucker. I'm not quite sure who he was in the I, episode. He's the guy Probably. at the
1: beginning that puts the money in the, the slot machine, I think. Okay, yeah. that's
0: what I figured. Um, this was his only Twilight Zone episode, and he was another one of those actors who basically just played a cop for his entire career.
1: Yeah, I have notes here that his last credit was an episode of Sanford and Son, so there you go. That's awesome. But 171 credits, but of very small parts.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm willing to bet 90% of them were officer or captain yeah. in the in the uh, character name.
1: So I have one other character to mention. It was William Keen, who was the desk clerk at the I think the the casino. Mm-hmm. Louise, I want to mention him. He was in an episode of Johnny Midnight. So we have the Hawaiian eye and Johnny there Midnight go. connection going strong here. And and Hyperion episode. reference. So. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Take a drink. You know, like I think we hit the trifecta for Strange Highways. So there we go.
0: Yep. So that pretty much does it. Um, so let Serling take it away. Portrait of a man who thinks and thereby gets things done.
1: Mr. Jimbo Cobb might be called a prime mover, a talent which has to be seen to be believed. In just a moment, he'll show his friends and you how he keeps both feet on the
0: ground and his head in the Twilight Zone.
1: It's a very short intro for him, but he also was making a very um, abrupt intro to the story, so we'll get to that in a second.
0: Yeah. All right, so the Prime Mover starts out. Uh, we open on a uh, cafe called the Happy Days Cafe with a Z. Um, we see our main character Ace Larson playing a slot machine and I, I love how he's talking to the machine like it's a woman or something and uh he's he keeps losing he cannot get a good i don't know what it's called draw hand what was it called I, when he a pulled. good
1: pull i don't know but he, I yeah, think I he talks <laughs> nicer to that machine than he does his uh his love interest i'll just say that
0: yeah yeah um so you get the idea he can never win so he goes up to the bar and asks the uh girl kitty who we later find out is his girlfriend uh, for another quarter. And she's like, you need to just cut your losses and stop. And the trucker who we just mentioned, he's there and he's like, uh, Hey, you want to bet me that I'll win the- or you want to bet me in a coin flip or something. So he yeah, bets him. The trucker's ending
1: his, his meal and he's like a double or nothing. I'll let you have the yeah. meal for free. But I also like that he's snapping his fingers at his love interest. I'm like, that's a really good way to keep someone like loving you is to be like, Hey, Can I get a quarter like that's
0: wrong? Yeah, it's it's a pretty good establishing uh, (laughs) trait for that character because you see how quickly things spiral out of control for him. Um, So, yeah, he bets him double or nothing that uh, on the coin flip. And I think uh, the trucker bets heads and obviously uh, ace loses. So the trucker then goes over and puts a quarter in the machine, ends up getting a good pull, gets all the quarters and stuff, gives him back his quarter and ends up leaving.
1: Yeah. Which, that that slot machine isn't exactly the same as the one from The Fever, but it's close enough that when I saw it, I'm just like, this thing's going to start saying the word Franklin over and over again as he puts (laughs) his quarter in. Because it's a Rolotop. It's the same brand as the, or making, like, it's similar to that one. But I was really, 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 really hoping it was the same slot machine from uh, The Fever, but it was not.
0: Yeah, that connected universe. That (laughs) misconnected universe. There's so many opportunities. Right. So yeah, kitty's kitty's mad and she's, uh, she's leaving and we find out that he owes her like three months back pay, <laughs> yeah, which is a pretty ridiculous amount of money to not be paid, but you find out that they're together. So it makes sense why she's stuck around. Um, as soon as she leaves, you hear, uh, a car crashing outside. You hear the screeching of the tires. But, and-
1: yeah, but but Jimbo, uh, Buddy Upson, was like, hey, you should get with her. And he's like, well, I don't know. Things aren't going so well. He's like, I've got some money saved up. I'll give it to you. Like, who offers their savings to a guy that's, like, wasting money in a slot machine so he and this girl he likes could get married? Like it, was, like, it was a nice showing that Jimbo wants the best for everybody, but it was a really weird thing to be like, I have money. You can just have it. Like yeah. it just seemed like it didn't occur to him that that like that's important.
0: Yeah, Kitty should have got with Jimbo. It's way nicer. I, I <laughs>
1: argue. I argue that Jimbo has some secret bubbling crude money. He's not telling anybody about. That's <laughs> yeah. that's my theory. But but yeah. But the car. But the, the but then the car crash noise comes out of nowhere, and I, I have to admit it made me laugh watching the episode because it's like it's so sudden and ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I had to rewind it like three <laughs> times just because I was like, "What did I miss something? Uh, so we get a footage of a pretty ridiculous car crash. Um, I couldn't really find much about where they got the footage from I or if they shot it. So that's what I was hoping yeah. with the books you got that somebody would explain. Yeah, it.
1: so I can sell a Smartful because someone else did the research. So the car crash. <laughs> is from 1958's Thunder Road, which Bruce Springsteen watched and made the song. Not really. That's not right at all. But the <laughs> movie's called Thunder Road. And credit credit to them, they found a way of incorporating it pretty well because um, the car crashes and rolls into like a power like a power. Yeah, some transformers, powers, or yeah, transformers or something. Yeah, like not the robots but like the like Yeah, robots. but like
0: <laughs> electrical transformers.
1: <laughs> so, so Jimbo and Ace run out to try to help it, you know, to help the people in the car. And the incorporation of the stock footage and them in front of the car, um, that's actually – it's put together pretty well. So I'll give them that – like you could buy that that same car was just in the the footage that you just watched.
0: Yeah. Well, and since it's like sitting underneath those those electrical transformers or whatever – I had to go back and make sure that's what it actually crashed into, and it does look like the same set, so they, yeah. they recreated it pretty well. Yeah. I don't know if they just used the same set from that film or what, but um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty impressive.
1: It, yeah, it worked, it worked like for what it was happening. I mean, the effect that happens here in a second, maybe not so much, but it worked for the establishing of what happened.
0: Yeah, so then we get the introduction of Serling, which is quite possibly <laughs> one of my favorite uh, appearances. I love
1: it, because like they're freaking out. like So Jimbo and Ace are freaking out because people are not in his car. Um, and then Serling kind of walks in off screen, but in a tree? Like, I don't know like, yeah I love it. he's well, just like- I,
0: I guess first Jimbo uh, you oh, yeah. you see Sorry. that he uses his mind to flip the car out of the the electrical whatever they are um and it seems like he's using his mind to flip the car over and that's when sir like, <laughs> steps out of the bushes or the tree I don't know quite know where he was. Oh. Yeah, I just. But I. I, this is I my like favorite. the idea that he's not going to offer any help. He's just watching from <laughs> the bushes. I'm,
1: I'm just sitting in the bushes smoking some cigarettes, seeing what's about to happen. Like it, it is my favorite circling. It's like Frontenberg's so crash or
0: something. He's like, "Yeah, look <laughs> at that car crash."
1: <laughs> just me and David Spade, Spader, not David Spade. David, no, no, no Spader. What's his name? Um, James Spader. James Spader, not Dave Spade. James yeah. Spader and I are just going to sit here and watch this car crash. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah anyway yeah. so it's my at favorite, that
0: point- favorite intro i love that he's just like
1: oh i'm in a tree and i'm going to tell you well, the he story. has to
0: like step under <laughs> the branches and everything when he comes out <laughs> i posted the picture on the instagram i said he doesn't seem like the outdoorsy type no but, oh, yeah,
1: was uh, great
0: he just looks so awkward out in nature <laughs> in that suit <laughs>
1: It was I I, I just I, I applauded like I just did a, like a small golf clap as when he showed up. I'm like that is the best way to insert unless the, the better way would have been they flip the car over. He gets out of the car and introduces the story. That would have been the better way. But I really, really, really appreciate the tree walk.
0: Yeah. So we're back at the cafe at that point. Um, and Ace is asking Jimbo like uh, so we we got to talk about this. Like how did you do that? And he just flat out explains it. He's like, yeah, this is this thing that I can do. Um, I, you played the opening uh, yeah. of the episode. with that that dialogue? And he just explains flat out, like, yeah, I can do this. I don't know. It's it's nothing, but I can do it. And he says he gets, like, headaches after it. So he, he stopped using it for a while, um, for a long time, I guess. But we don't know that for sure. Um, well, we should mention he says,
1: that when he flips the car, they do a reverse footage thing. Like real quick, like they just kind of show that the, the film going backwards, like for like a second, like they couldn't do the whole thing, but it's just like they had to reverse the film to show the car resetting itself. And it was so hokey. I loved it.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you find out he gets headaches, so he doesn't do it. And immediately ACE is like, well, let's, let's see you do it again. I don't care about your headaches. Like, let's do this. Right. So he makes him at first, he lifts the bed up off the ground, which uh, talk about a hokey effect. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but I, I, it works I, buddy
1: epson's reaction whenever he has to do it, it's kind of a, like a resigned like i can do this it's going to hurt me but i'll show you i i really liked his performance and and projecting that he has this ability i really enjoyed that
0: yeah he doesn't have many lines in this episode no um if you actually like go through and watch like he he pops in for a sentence here or there but for the most part it's all done non-verbally and it's it's it is a really nice performance. He's definitely the standout in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so next he's like, can you do it with something smaller? like a quarter. He has him call the coin flip or he calls a coin flip and makes him flip it to the correct side. Um, and then immediately goes to dice and, <laughs> and then it immediately goes to anger after that because he's like, you've been holding out on me all these years. We've <laughs> been living like Kings. <laughs>
1: well, I like that ACE happens to have a set of dice just sitting at his desk. Like he pulls open the drawer and he's like, one second. It's like, who else would just have this, a pair of dice is sitting in like their, their banker's desk in their Actually, room.
0: I have a pair of dice sitting on my <laughs> desk right now. So are,
1: are you mentally make the, making a seven or 11? Is that what's going no, on right now? But,
0: no, I have a little bowl that has a, uh, a few pins, a tech deck and a few dice in it. So oh, I don't know. Okay, I I, don't, I, <laughs>
1: I I have no dice. So I guess, I guess I'm in the minority here, but, but yeah, I like that ACE is like, he's equal parts mad, but like dumbfounded that like Jimbo's never mentioned this. And Jimbo's just like, I like that Jimbo, it, he, he's smart, but like it doesn't occur to him that like, Oh, I could have made money off of this. So I really appreciate that whole, like, yeah, I can do it. But like, what's the point? Like that was yeah. kind of the way he carried himself.
0: Well, he seems to have some pretty strict morals in this, and we'll get to that yeah. when we get to the end. Uh, so Ace calls Kitty and says, "Like, get ready, we're going on a trip." And we go to Vegas and we get a nice shot of the old, uh, the old strip in Vegas with all the neon signs and everything, which always gets me. Um, and it, that's that's why I found out that George Clinton Johnson worked on Ocean's Eleven because I read somewhere that it was his return to Las Vegas with writing. Oh, I was like okay, huh, interesting. Um, So yeah, then we get the montage of uh, them playing the roulette wheel and winning, and going to different casinos and everything, and they just keep winning and winning. That's a nice uh, montage.
1: I liked I liked that with the roulette wheel, and then uh, whatever that weird three dice game was with like the tumbler. Um, I liked that you'd always cut to uh, Buddy Ebsen, kind of like yeah, and he he was kind of like it was. It worked, and I didn't mind that. But I also will say that uh, at one point, Jimbo—not Jimbo, Jimbo Ace—was like, "Hey, um, we have a plan worked out or a system worked out." I'm like, "You don't say that at the table in yeah, front of the never. person working <laughs> the game." Like, I don't care how. Like, if they can never catch you because you're using an intangible telekinetic ability, you don't say that in front of the people that are giving you money. Like, what is yeah. wrong with you?
0: Um, well, I mean, we've seen a lot of episodes where they just. They either do the montage or they just repeat the gag over and over again, Mm -hmm. like most recently, Mr. Dingle, the strong where you just the whole episode is basically them doing feats of strength and everything just showing off the same power over and over again, where I I feel like these montages are kept minimal, but get the point across more effectively than they've done in the past. Yeah. Um,
1: but But, but after after a while you see the jimbos like kind of worn out even with small stuff he's doing it repeatedly and it it just wrecks him like so uh eventually ace lays like oh oh, okay fine we'll stop for a second but not for long
0: yeah so then they receive their boxes of money which looks like the most uh unsafe way to carry money through a casino (laughs) Uh, yeah just (laughs) millions of uh, I i don't know if it was millions of dollars but uh we'll just say that millions of dollars just in cardboard boxes being yeah. carried through <laughs> the casino.
1: Well, the the desk the desk help is like, "Well, we get we'll get a boy to help you." It's like and that's one of the kind of like comedy bits in this I kind of enjoy because there's an older man where he's like yeah. and it's like this guy who's like a bellhop kind of guy. He's like, "We'll get a boy to help you." And so uh Ace just keeps her refer- like kind of keeps the act up referring to him as a boy the entire time. Yeah,
0: he keeps calling him like junior and boy. <laughs> it's it's like- a, they go up to this really fancy hotel room and um yeah, he gives he tips the uh, he tips him, and I wrote down the quote. He says, "Go out and buy yourself a pair of roller skates."
1: Yeah, and I and I, <laughs> Sends I added him on his way. or a switchblade, you know, just you know, whatever. Like I <laughs> like <laughs>
0: <laughs> little callback to last week, I yeah. Love it. But it's just um, like
1: he's telling this old man to go buy roller skates. I thought that was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jimbo tells him like, "Hey Ace, I can't do the same more. like I." it's not even about the headaches. He just feels bad about cheating and winning all this money. Um, So he tells him, well, yeah, we'll do it. We'll just do it one more time. You know, that's the curse. (laughs) Um, Right. So Kitty at that point wants to go home. She says he's sick and storms out and everything. And Jimbo basically tells her, you know, she's more important than money. You need to go chase after her. So, she, he chases her down the lobby and she still storms out and, uh, he turns around and that's when we get introduced to Sheila, the cigarette lady. Yeah. <laughs> and she's asking like, Oh, is there anything wrong? And he was like, you see a look on his face kind of change. Like, no, no, you know, you're going to work for me now and just gives her some money and, uh, tells her he's going to take her out in the town. And then he pays off the casino manager. Yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hire your, uh, cigarette girl for the night like here's some money and he's like no okay yeah
1: but then he was like he stops and he's like tells the, the the guy working he's like he's like also he's like who's the biggest like biggest fish in town for me to play against um and he's like and tell him he's like uh, he's like tell him to bring plenty of lettuce this kind of lettuce and he just like flashes all this money um like it, it's funny, but it's like he's really trying to position himself saying, like, you know, I can't lose. I'm gonna challenge the biggest whale that we have here, you know. So um Yeah, I, and
0: yeah. he's positioning himself as very unlikable in this episode. Yeah. And we get a pretty sudden arc, but it's an arc nonetheless. And uh we've seen a few episodes recently that have had pretty terrible character arcs. So I I appreciated this a little bit more because of that, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. so yeah, he tells him it's Phil Nolan. And he says, tell him Ace wants to see him. So then we cut to the next morning after he goes out and the phone's ringing. We it, get the next gag. It, my favorite part uh,
1: part of the episode. I love yeah. that Jimbo's the, the, like, oh, their phone's ringing. Yeah telekinetic phone all the way over to him
0: like that's uh, (laughs) who wouldn't do that though that's That's the most (laughs) realistic part of this episode
1: (laughs) that's what i wrote here i was like Jimbo being lazy in bed and bringing the phone to him is something that i would do if i had those powers that's exactly what i would do i
0: thought of it today i i was uh after working out we ate dinner and sitting on the couch watching tv for a few minutes and i had leaned back and i couldn't reach forward to grab the remote and i was like man if only I had Jimbo's power.
1: <laughs> like I would <laughs> take a small headache. Foot of, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Totally worth the headache just for that one foot of leaning forward.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. And the effect was so silly. Like, it's like you could see oh, the, yeah. the, the fishing line, but I liked it. It was just a nice, like, yeah, I'm not getting up.
0: And I just, I, yeah, I really, it, really appreciate it. It works for that. the tone of this episode. Yeah. It's not trying to take itself too seriously. So, yeah. uh, the hokey effects work. So it, it, no or ace picks up the phone. and It's Nolan. And, uh, he kind of snaps awake and tells him to come up to the room. And, uh, Jimbo somehow recognizes the name. Uh, what is it? Nolan What was the first name of it. Uh, Phil Nolan. Yeah. Phil big, Nolan. Big thank Phil you. Nolan. He, big Phil Nolan. He recognizes it. He's like, I think that's a big, big time gangster from Chicago or something. So, uh, if they come in and he's got his whole entourage with him and everything. And I like that Ace,
1: ACE tells Jimbo, don't worry. gangsters just have a code of honor. I'm like, not if you're inviting them up
0: to gamble like that just- with, with two giant boxes of money <laughs> laying out. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone has a, yeah. has a, a, sense of uh or a code of honor or anything when there's a million dollars sitting in cardboard boxes right. around, um, so, yeah, he's like, well, you don't mind when they come up to the room. He's like, you don't mind waiting around. I'm going to order some breakfast real quick. You want anything? I, I love that this uh, gangster says, like, I'll take a glass of coffee or, or some juice.
1: <laughs> but I like that his henchmen, they don't eat, is what he said. Yeah. And, and then Ace is like, they don't eat. Like, it's like, why is that like a revelation for him? It's like, these guys are here. They're, they're just like, they're knuckle busters. Like, keep them. They're, they're there. Like to to rough you up, like why? Like why does it occur to you that they're not there other than for one job? You know, it's like a- Ace is so far out in the weeds here. Like it's it's like, oh it, yeah, he's yeah. out of
0: his mind at this point. <laughs> right. He's you can almost see the dollar signs in his eyes at this moment. He has the fever. Um, I I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have done a shot with money, <laughs> dollar signs in his eyes. Right, he was playing this character so cartoonish at this point. Uh, so they start out with like 10,000 or something and they start rolling the dice and everything. He's calling the numbers and we get another quick montage of them winning and cutting back to Jimbo. And uh, at, at one point, finally, Nolan's like, let me see those dice. Uh, Cause he provided his dice at the beginning of this. Cause he wasn't, he didn't necessarily trust uh, ace. So he's like, I just got to remind you people only cheat on me once. <laughs> yeah. And, that's when Sheila comes in and uh, Jimbo's trying to say something the whole time because you kind of see his face the way uh, Ace is talking to Sheila and everything like you can see him kind of judging him like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so he tries to say him something. Ace keeps cutting him off and uh he ends up losing his last role and the gangsters take all the money and leave. And Sheila, <laughs> Sheila just pieces out immediately. Like, oh "The <laughs> money's gone. <laughs> I guess I'll go sell cigarettes again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jimbo tells him like, yeah, my power just ran out. No, uh, I think I blew my fuse and they just kind of laugh about it. And, uh,
1: yeah. Ace yeah. takes losing a million dollars really well. Like I just got to yeah. say as much as his plan like was like fraught with like errors. Right. But he's just like, Oh, you blew a fuse. I guess I'll laugh about it. It's like, I don't know. I think for someone that was mad that Jimbo didn't tell him about his power that he wouldn't, I just, I get that's supposed to kind of be like the soft landing for the episode, but he really, really took it well losing everything.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I said it's such a sudden character arc for his thing. He just comes around immediately like, I feel like I would have at least a few minutes of just depression <laughs> <laughs> after losing a million dollars and just like, I'm going to go chug every alcoholic beverage in this mini fridge in the room real right? quick and then I'll be back to talk about this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they laugh about it. And then we cut back to the uh, Happy Days Cafe once again and we see that he's selling the slot machine and there's two guys taking it away. And at that point, he goes up to Kitty and asks her to marry him. And I, I like the moment uh, Jimbo drops his his uh, broom at that moment when he asks her to marry him. Um, yeah. So she she asks him for a quarter and makes him call it. And you don't see what it lands on. She looks at it still covered and she says yes. And uh, and then we get, I, I guess, I guess the twist of the episode Um Jimbo goes to pick up the broom and then decides like, nah, I'm going to use my power. We see (laughs) that be lazy. Yeah. Yeah. He in fact did not lose his, uh, telekinetic abilities. Yeah. So he just used his abilities to teach Ace a lesson. Well that, and he, he
1: was moving people in the position they needed to be in anyway. Right. So that's the big twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's your story. Um, so, uh, I, I what was it? Um to speak of Buddy Epson here, he mentioned during his Hollywood Walk of Fame star ceremony, he talked about Rod Serling. He's like he gave me a job once, and part of the part was that I could move dice one way or another. It worked fine in the picture, but I went to Vegas and I tried it and it didn't work too well. I love <laughs> that quote. I think that's great.
0: <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah. Um uh, so, But yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed the episode. I don't think it's something necessarily that memorable no um, i i can't see myself come back to it or being excited to come back to it but it, it's it's a solid twilight zone episode it fits it fits with a lot of the other uh previous episodes we've seen especially the ones that are more of a uh, uh, teaching lessons which would usually be a serling teleplay yeah uh, so the fact that uh, Beaumont was able to work this in so nicely, I guess, is a compliment. But I, like I said, I just can't see myself come back to this one.
1: I, I like this one because it's like this this thing existed before and it will exist after. It wasn't like it was a window yeah. or a door and, opening.
0: And how many times have we said, like, with zero explanation, um, if we're able to buy it without questioning, like, the job is well done by the writer. Yeah. And
1: it was fine. Yeah. Um, Buddy Epson, like, like was, he was the, he was the the bright spot of this episode. Very genuine, very nice. And, and you, you bought his whole thing about like, he just really wanted the best for everybody. So I really yeah. appreciated that. Um,
0: that's, a, that's, that's a great word for, uh, Buddy Epson as an actor with a lot of his roles as genuine. Yeah. He just seems like such a genuinely nice guy.
1: Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. Um, so, and just also, I just want to mention here, I, I was reading about this. I thought this was uh, uh, interesting. So the two things Beaumont added to the script, uh, he, he added the love interest and the Chicago mobsters. So he added some stakes to the story. Uh, yeah. So it makes me wonder where it was going to go originally. And then also, I just want to say, in terms of like how many scene changes for this, for this episode, it was two days of rehearsal, three days of filming. So Epson was able to hone in on the character pretty fast. You know, and I thought that was uh, considering that this thing was like, you know, what shot in a week like that's you, you got to give them credit that these I mean, I mean, even even Dean and 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 what's her name? Uh, the person that played Kitty, um, Christine White, like they all like that's that has to be even though there isn't a ton of dialogue. It's 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 a lot. Of, it's enough to have to try to practice in two days and be ready for three days. Like I'll give it. This was a really, really fast shooting schedule. Yeah.
0: Yeah and all the characters were believable Yeah. their relationships seemed lived in um it like like i said uh what's his name who played ace i already forgot the actor's name um dane clark dane i said dean why did i say dean yeah, dane clark i know yeah. i well no, you already forgot him yeah whatever <laughs> talk about him not being memorable um and no as much as we were saying like he plays this character cartoonish you still believe the character and you believe the relationships for better or worse, uh, that they existed and that this world existed before we joined these characters and everything. Yeah. And that's, that's good for a 20 minute story, 20, 25 minute story. Like that's good to get you invested in the characters. Like it's, there's some good, strong things going on this episode. I just don't think it's that astounding. Yeah, I agree. So,
1: I I, I think I'd seen this one before because, like, the ending, and we'll get to the twist rating later. I think I remember this one. So, like, it was kind of like I knew where it was going. So, nothing really surprised me, but it was okay. Like, considering. Considering last week, where it had a very abrupt ending, and I will also argue this one had kind of an abrupt ending, this one uh-huh. at least felt like there was something going on, you know, like and, and versus static. And I know they weren't filming this order, and that was not the intent, but it's easy to judge what came right before versus what's happening now. So this was nice that it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest episode, but it was like at least a nice breezy, like you know, fun watch. So I appreciate yeah. that.
0: Yeah, like you said, they move around so much from set to set that it, you never it never really gets stagnant anywhere. Yeah. Um uh, What else was I going to say? Yeah, and the the character development and everything like there was there was a there was good closure to the episode in this one, unlike the last one, yeah. which was just kind of open ended and sudden. So um, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was fine. I, I think this is a pretty inoffensive episode. I I, I didn't love it, didn't hate it. Um, it, just it it is glad I watched it.
1: It bums me out that buddy Epson didn't do any other twice Zone episodes. Cause I think he was, he would have been a great resource, but
0: yeah, know. he was, he was great for these types of episodes. Yeah. And, uh, it, he would have fit right in with, uh, the kind of played Caterwaller.
1: Oh, <laughs> that would have been great. I would have loved that. Yeah. I would like to do it
0: together in an episode. Uh, that would have been amazing.
1: Seeing buddy Epson be like a bad guy, but like, like a bad guy that you kind of like, you know, you're like, you know what? He's kind of like a genuine person, but he's evil. I think that would have been amazing. Um. Yeah. Yeah so yeah it's too bad in, in a rare turn that for for the season that we've been covering i found something that ties to this episode oh, uh awesome. so there is a list uh, I, I keep saying i'll post these things online and i'll really 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 will try this time uh <laughs> there is something about it, it said clever casino scams in recent history and so i'll just mention one because there's like 10 of them and this one's actually kind of pertinent to the episode and now it's not letting me do this okay great uh, <laughs> there is there was it was in the 70s and i'm uh working for time here because i go to click something it's not letting me scroll through what's going on
0: classic Um, strange highways fashion (laughs) yeah so let me reload the
1: page here real quick uh it it was in 73 it was the cigarette pack scam where'd it go um was uh, sheila involved in it sheila was not involved in this okay um here it is the french cigarette pack scam In the summer of 1973, one of the greatest roulette scams took place at the Casino Duval in France. Uh, It involved a radio amateur who was also a casino roulette dealer, his brother-in-law and his beautiful sister, who could have been Sheila. Uh, The dealer created a radio transmitter which fit perfectly into a pack of cigarettes. He also turned a weightless receiver into a roulette ball, which he used at the table. So his brother-in-law posed as the unknowing player, placing bets while his sister served as the quote-unquote button pusher holding the cigarette pack. Once you press the transmitter's button, the ball would descend from its spin and land a group of six possible numbers with an impressive 90% accuracy. So oh, you always wow. stood um, one table over to remain uh, inconspicuous to the officials on the floor. In just one week, they managed to score 5 million francs, which that's roughly 1 million. I, I'm glad they did the math because I've been like, I don't know what that is. Um Casino officials caught wind of what was happening and became suspicious. They investigated every possibility, um, and um, they eventually figured out what was going on. Uh, they spent weeks trying to figure out, like, the, but they found nothing out of the ordinary. The scammer's downfall came after the casino owner took a romantic interest in the sister. He made oh, a move man. on her and was quickly turned down. Shortly thereafter, he began to notice her presence in a different light. <laughs> Oh, man, I want
0: to see this story like somebody needs to make that into a movie or an episode. He made the
1: connection that she always was at the casino whenever the same person at the same roulette table consistently won large amounts of cash and also that she wouldn't go out with him. Uh, He put these clues together, suspected radio (laughs) interference was the blame and had a debugging team sweep the floor. Eventually, the team was caught and arrested. If only the sister hadn't been so alluring and beautiful, they might have gotten away with their brilliant plan. So there you go. God damn it, Sheila, you ruined it for everybody.
0: <laughs> that but, that is insane. That, I would love to see somebody make a film about that. But that's like, 73.
1: That's, like, that's crazy to me. Like I know there's all these like mechanical interference and electronic interference and technical interference like with gambling. But that 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 sounds like like ahead of its time to me you yeah know? like
0: that's that's really cool
1: yeah there's uh, other ones on here too that are more like the people that were smart and knew how to read things in terms of like knowing card counts and stuff
0: yeah and that's yeah. great
1: not me i could never do any of that i'd be like i don't know what just happened was it a red card that sounds cool you know <laughs> but
0: um i'll then try then to link this um, yeah anyway and then real quick i just want to bring it up telekinesis used a lot in sci-fi and horror um, I don't know if you, do you have any movies or anything you'd recommend with telekinesis?
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, what's the Chevy chase movie? Modern to, problems. That's put you on the spot. But. Modern <laughs> problems with Chevy chase where he goes around nice. the one because he, he ends up behind a car or a truck carrying toxic waste. He gets covered in it and, be, and becomes telekinetic. Um, and there's a bit where people think he's possessed. So they put a bunch of like this powder around his bed and it's called demon dust And he goes around and snorts it up like it's cocaine. And all I remember about the movie is he says at one point, he's like, demon dust. I like it. And it freaks everybody out. So,
0: yeah, that's the one thing I I think of. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we brought up uh, Cronenberg. So I wrote down scanners scanners. on my list. Um, And then I don't know if you've ever seen, I guess this is the reason I brought it up, just because I want to talk about the series, the Patrick series.
1: No, what is that?
0: Uh, The first one was a uh, I think it was from 1978. It was an Australian film. It's a guy in a coma who has telekinetic abilities and he's he can pretty much control his surroundings, but he doesn't look like he's aware of anything going on. And it's it's pretty terrifying. But then there was a sequel uh, made in Italy Like 10 years later, maybe not 10 years, but like at least like six years later, um, that's uh, far more sleazy. (laughs) Mm. Um, I highly recommend the series, Um, at least the first one. There's some really cool stuff happening in there. Um, Great Australian horror film. You you guys think
1: I hit the microphone with my hand, but I use my mind to make that noise.
0: So you guys need to know. But yeah, and then obviously Carrie is awesome. So.
1: Yeah, Carrie, that should have been my go-to. Right, I love Stephen King. I was like, why did, why was that not the first thing I thought of? I'm just like, I'll go with Chevy Chase. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, Carrie, like, I, you know what? It's been forever since I've seen that movie. So I don't, I don't even know if I even watched its entirety. Like knowing. That's a really good book, but knowing that like Stephen King was like coked out of his mind while writing it full of demon dust, it, it just kind of puts a different light. But it was, it's a it's good early, very, it was his first published novel. So it's very, very good, like rough and dirty Stephen King. So I, I, I recommend yeah, I, it if you guys have not read that book.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy the book, but yeah, the movie's fantastic as well. So. Um, I assume everyone's probably seen the film and probably read the book that's listening to this. But well, I feel like it's not,
1: yeah, the prom sequence, at least everybody knows about. Right. So, like, yeah, that had, yeah, yeah. That, that just John Travolta is a bastard. That's all I got to say about that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to think of other tele- telekinetic things. It's, that's a trope. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I read a lot of comics. So it, that's an easy power to give people. Is just yeah, really I was going to say weird.
0: X-Men. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Do well. Do any well? Magneto, I guess, right? Well, he is controls
1: magnetic objects, right? Anything that's metal, yeah, right? Yeah, so, but no, but like G- uh, Jean Grey is a telekinetic, and um, she's also telepathic. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um,
0: who's? I think I just outed myself as far as my knowledge. I'm well, like, no, Magneto, like Magneto, right? he control
1: like, metallic, metallic objects, right? So it's a, it's it's I, a similar thing. Yeah. Um, I'm I sure know, I th- like
0: four characters. So it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, four characters you're like the magnet guy.
0: And then the spider yeah. guy, and then the punisher guy. The um, claw guy. The claw guy. <laughs> you know, the claw guy. <laughs> no, I just watched Logan. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Well, Darth Vader has some force powers. He can move things with the force. Is that the same thing? Like, you know. Yeah, there you the, go. go. The force
0: could be telekinetic. Yeah. But so. yeah, I don't know. There's a lot out there. Yeah. <laughs> just go watch Patrick and watch Gary. Those yeah. are great. And it uh, was the Chevy Chase one you just said? Modern the problems. Title. Modern problems. Yes. Go watch those.
1: I don't. That, that's that's a weird poll. No one talks about that movie anymore. I don't know why. Or yeah, right. I
0: I don't yeah. think I've ever seen or heard of that one.
1: Yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's your that's your telekinetic stuff. I have nothing else about this episode
0: other than I guess we'll get to the twist here. Uh, yeah, I I think we kind of exhausted this one.
1: I have a headache just from moving around the plot. Anyway. <laughs> oh oh, let's try it again. New technology. <laughs> I just I whatever anyway so the twist I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a two that ace had the power all along it was an it was a nice a nice bump to the ending of the episode
0: yeah and it played into his character really well and everything um uh yeah I'm gonna agree with you I, I think this whole episode we've kind of been uh been right around the same place with this thing so like i don't want to beat
1: it up because i feel like i feel like recently like the one the ones have not been good i've been jumping on really hard and this
0: one doesn't deserve that like like no um, this isn't bad it's just it's it's nothing special as far as i'm concerned like Like,
1: ace's character is a bit obnoxious but that's kind of the point i get it it's just that he is so rough edged in the first half that you can't even be happy for him because he is He's very abusive in terms of like, it's just in terms of like the way he's treating his, the girl he likes where he's like, I'm not pay you for three months. Oh, why aren't you hanging out in Vegas? Here's this blonde chickie with me. Oh, I lost everything. You should marry me. It's a very, like, he seems like that kind of guy that like she, she, he realizes that she's the best thing for him, but it's, it's the last thing he has.
0: You know, yeah, it's uh, just it, a, yeah. just taking advantage of his French imbo too. Yeah, absolutely. So he it, it gets to the point where you're like, why is anyone still hanging out with this guy? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah well. I agree with you too.
1: So, so yeah, that's going to do it for the prime mover. We weren't moved as much. <laughs> uh so Kevin, how can people find us?
0: Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Strange Highways Podcast, also on Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast. Been posting some stuff on there like I promised I would Um, I don't know if it's interesting but you can check it out (laughs) Uh, you can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com if you want to let me know how bad that Instagram sucks um, (laughs) you can also let us know what you think about the show what what you think about the Prime Mover if you watched it along with us um, or just uh, your thoughts on Twilight Zone we'd love to hear from you Uh, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Satchel Uh, Google Play, and Podbean. I'm still working on that other outlet, so stay tuned. Um, I think I did something wrong, so I'm not going to (laughs) announce it yet. (laughs) Um, But you can rate and review us on all those platforms, and it would definitely help us out, especially iTunes, since it seems like most people are listening on there. Um, Please leave us a five-star rating and review us. It would definitely help us out. All right, so
1: next episode, long distance call, last of the video episodes. So we're gonna get there. Uh, here, here is there's actually a tr- like a teaser for that. So I will butcher that right now. So next week, Mr. Charles Beaumont again. And Mr. William Idelson, deliver a story on your doorstep with the title Long Distance Call. It's uniquely a um, a flesh and fantasy tale involving a small boy, a toy telephone, and the incredible faith of a child. I hope you're around next week at the usual time, which, depending upon where you are, varies in an unusual place. The one that never varies, the uncharted regions of the Twilight Zone. There you go. So, yeah. Long distance flesh call. and fantasy next week. That, Perfect. I, I made sure I, I was I was like, did I type that right? Because I'm really not great sometimes at typing or thing. It's a uniquely flesh and fantasy tale, which I don't think you want that as a tagline for anything describing anything. But
0: yeah, especially yeah. with uh with a, a child boy. in the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah,
1: that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh and we'll see you next week with long distance call. Yep. See you guys.
0: your name? Sheila. Sheila, how would you like to quit this crummy job and work for me? Doing what? Spending money. hmm? Come on. Here's a little salary in advance. A grand. When do I start? Right now. We'll have a ball. Something wrong here? Are you the manager? That's right. Well, I'd like to hire your cigarette girl for the evening. Would it be all right? (laughs) Why, yes. Yes, I believe it'll be all right. I thought it would. Well, come on, sweetie, we'll have...